Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We are a Bible-based church out of Peterborough, Canada, and together are on a mission to reach people who are far from Christ and see them become devoted followers of Jesus. In today's episode, Pastor Nathan is bringing you part three of his series, What's Next? Have you ever wondered what's next in your journey of faith? No matter whether you're new to faith or you're a veteran Christian, there is so much more for you in 2022. Once we have marked the moment of our faith and have begun to live in the freedom Christ died to bring us, we must first discover our purpose. With that, let's turn it over to Pastor Nate and his message, Discovering Purpose. Awesome. Good morning, everybody. Isn't that already been so great? Uh, what an amazing uh, story it's just to see. We wanted to share just a portion of what happened last Friday night with our youth group as uh, some of those teens you just saw profess their faith through the waters of baptism. Pretty awesome stuff, i got to tell you. Um, we're in week three of a message series called What's Next? What's next? And so we're talking about what's coming next. And you may be thinking to yourself, um, okay, what is this series all about? Is it about uh, what's next in the pandemic? No, it's not about that. In fact, uh, to be honest with you, all through the last couple of years, every time I've tried to make a prediction about what's coming next, I've failed. I have failed miserably. So I'm not here to tell you about what's coming next, when things reopen, when things change. I have no clue. You may also be thinking maybe this series is about what's next as related to our building. And of course, we purchased property and we have construction preparations underway. We're hoping that the bulk of the construction will happen in the, this upcoming summer and we'll get in there as soon as possible. So I would love to give you updates. I don't have have a lot for you, so we're not going to talk about that. What this message series is really all about is what's next when it comes to our faith. You know, we can't control the pandemic, we can't control construction crews and timelines, but the one thing that we have some measure of control over is our walk with the Lord, our discipleship, our personal and spiritual growth. And so that's what we want to talk about as we kick off this new year, as we enter into 2022, taking steps in our faith and developing in our faith and our walk with Jesus. So that's what we're talking about um, over uh, these few weeks. Uh, Last week, we looked at a text in Galatians 5.1. I want to recap what we talked about last week and we'll build from there. For freedom, Christ has set us free. This is what Paul wrote to the Galatian church. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So what Paul was trying to communicate to the early church is that Christ and what he did for us has set us free. I used the illustration of chains last week, and I brought them back just to remind you that we, each of us, were born into this world enslaved to sin, enslaved to death. No way around either one of those. And really, there was no way for us to find freedom, which is why Christ came and died to bring us the freedom we couldn't bring to ourselves. And so when we receive Christ and we're in Him, those chains of sin and death and our past, it's all broken and removed from us. The the point is, though, is that the rest of our lives on this earth as Christians, we will continually be learning to live in the freedom that's already been given to us. So it's this process of like figuring out how to actually let go of the chains and move forward into all that God has for us. I said this last week. I I suppose it's good to say it one more time. You are freer than you know. You are more free than you know. That I guarantee you. Christ has done more for you than you've even realized. I don't care if you've been in church for 40 years. There are still aspects to what Christ has done to you you haven't even realized yet. So you are more free than you know. And secondly, that you have more power. You have more power than you know. Paul wrote this to the Romans. He said, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. What does that mean? 
It means that the power of God comes to live inside of any person who receives Christ. And you are free, and you have the power of God at work in you to help you to walk away from your chains and to live a new life, a life of freedom. That's good news, isn't it? You guys are excited this morning, I can tell. That's good news, okay? And literally, the rest of our lives, we are learning to let go of the chains. Because as we learned last week, we will be tempted to go back. And, and I talked last week about how Satan works. And if you want, you can go back and watch that message. It's, it's, the quality isn't great. We had a malfunction, but the message is still there. Satan will try to get you to think you're still in bondage. He'll point to the area of your life where you're struggling and be like, see, you're not really free. So he's not rechaining you. He can't do that. But we return to our chains and it's actually us that's holding on to them. So Christ has died to set us free so that we can live in freedom. That's the good news. But here's the question I want to wrestle with today, because we all want freedom. But the question I want to wrestle with is what do we do with our freedom? Now what? Jesus has set me free. My sins under the water, buried with him in baptism. I have a new life, new hope, new spirit within me. Now what? What's next? So we, here's where we were. For week one, we said we marked the moment of our faith. Baptism, communion. Secondly, we learn to find and live in freedom. And that process will continue for all of us for the rest of our lives. You know, some people have found they've leveled up in some area of their life in their freedom. So, for example, someone here, maybe 10 years ago, you were bound in debt, up to your eyeballs, totally under it, and you systematically eliminated debt, did it God's way, learned to be generous. And now your financial situation is different and you're free. But there might be another area of your life where you still haven't found freedom. So there's just constant work to be done to continue to find freedom. What do we do with it once we find it? There's the question that I want to wrestle with today. What do we do? Because there's two types of freedom. And I think most of us think of freedom in this way. Freedom from. Freedom from government control. Freedom from tyranny. Freedom from our parents. Sometimes the same as tyranny. (laughs) Uh, All the kids went, amen, pastor. Okay, freedom from addiction. That's a wonderful thing. But then what? Freedom from financial debt. Amazing. I want that for everybody. But then what? Freedom from your past. Freedom from unforgiveness. Wonderful. We want freedom for everyone. Christ died to give us freedom. And he who the Son set free is free. But then what? Today I want to talk about how we use our freedom for something. You see, we have to use our freedom for something. It's not just, hey, I'm free, nothing, all the chains, I'm just free. No. The freedom has to be used for something. I love what Pope John Paul II said. Now, when I was a kid in Catholic school, we got to hear about a lot from Pope John Paul. Here's what he said about this. Let me go to the next slide for me. He says, freedom consists not of doing what we like, but in having the right to do what we ought. What's he saying? He's saying it's not just freedom from something, it's freedom for something. Because the truth is, is that freedom for freedom's sake isn't actually freedom at all. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, we had a dog named Fluffy. Uh, it's a creative name, I know. I helped name her. And Fluffy was this little white Pekingese poodle, and she was by and large a very good dog. Except she had one issue. She liked to bolt. And if you opened the door to let somebody in, and you weren't paying attention, she got through your legs, she was gone. And we would take her to the park and all the other families would have their dog off leash and they'd be throwing balls and playing with their dog. And our dog was constantly on a leash because she didn't know how to use her freedom. And we would be like, Fluffy, we're going to let you go. We want you to be free, Fluffy. You just got to stay with us. We're going to throw a ball. So you throw the ball and you unclick that leash. And the moment that stupid thing came off her leash, guess what she did? She, She didn't chase the ball. She ran down the trail and disappeared. 
And it was like, we knew not even to chase her because she would run as hard and as fast as she could until she couldn't run anymore. So we'd literally walk home, get a bicycle, and start pedaling through the trails of Mississauga. And sometimes we'd find her 10 kilometers from the park, laying in the grass, this little white dog, like, ah, this is exhausted from running nowhere. And I remember thinking, you're such a dumb dog. Like, if you would just learn to control yourself, we could leave you off the leash and you could be free. But the dog just couldn't get it. And I remember thinking, what a dumb dog. And then I turned 18. This is the transition here. And I remember as a kid, I grew up in uh, my parents' home. I have good parents. And maybe they're watching this morning. I don't know. But I had good parents. And they loved me. And they had strict rules because we were a Christian home. And there were things that I couldn't watch. There were movies I couldn't watch while my friends were watching. There was music I wasn't allowed to listen to because of the content and language. There were words we didn't say in our home. There were curfews, times I had to come home. There were a bunch of things we weren't allowed to drink. We didn't smoke anything in our home. Like it was just, there were all these limitations. And although most of them made sense to me, I remember thinking to myself, I just want to be free. I want to choose for my sake to go to church, not because my parents make me. But then I realized when my parents stopped making me that I didn't actually want to go to church, right? And I remember when I was 18 going on 19, I moved out of my parents' home for the first time, got an apartment with my cousin, and I had my own room. And for the first time in my life, I was free from the tyranny of parents, for the first time in my life, I was just like, that little, there's a little Nathan inside me and his face is painted blue and he's like, freedom! And he's mooning everybody. He's just like, I want to do what I want to do. Nobody. And for the first time in my life, I'm like, yes, I'm finally free. Like, for real, free. So, I moved into my room. And you know what I did? Whatever I wanted to do. Do you want to know what time I went to sleep? Whenever I wanted to. Do you want to know what time I woke up? Whenever I wanted to. Do you know what I ate? Whatever I wanted to eat. Do you know when I cleaned? Never. <laughs> and now I didn't. I was just like, that's just a waste of time. And you know what? After about seven or eight weeks of living and doing exactly what I desired to do, I realized I wasn't happy. In fact, I was more miserable than I was under my parents' rules and regulations because what happened was as I looked at my life, I thought, I'm doing everything I want to do and I'm miserable. And I'm living in a mess, a pigsty around me. And not only am I unhappy with me, my roommates are unhappy with me. My friends are like, what is the matter with that guy? And what I realized is that freedom to do what I want isn't freedom at all. Freedom to do what I want is a free for all. Freedom to do what I want is actually bondage because now instead of being under my parents' rules, their rules being my master, I am now, my desires are now my master. And it's awful. And fortunately, I was in a good environment. I was in Bible college. <laughs> That's where they train ministers to clean their rooms. I was in Bible college and I was in an environment where other people were like, I want to get my life together and I want to serve Jesus and serve others. And that environment helped me to move forward and to see the error of my selfish ways. Now, this is one of the reasons why the environment you choose to put yourself in can make such an impact on your life. Because if you're not, if you're not in the right environment around the right people, everyone around you will just be like, yeah, you're doing the same as us and you're miserable just like us. Let's all just keep going and you just don't even realize it. And so environment is so, so, so important for us to find. So today, I want to talk about discovering purpose. Let's all say that together. Discover purpose. We want to mark the moment of our faith, learn to find and, and live in our freedom, and then now we want to discover purpose. Now, when I say the word purpose, a lot of things come to mind, right? Some of you are probably thinking, oh, purpose. Okay, like the thing that God created me and only me to do. And I, I think 
There are things that God has created for each of us to do. There are unique abilities and gifts and personality traits and all that that are unique to you and no one else. And you use those. And it's incredible when you find your thing. You know what I'm talking about. But it's also intimidating because some of you are like, I'm 40. I still haven't found my thing. (laughs) Right? And it's annoying when you meet that person who knew their thing when they were six. You're just like, oh, good grief. They're like, I'm going to be a doctor. And then they turn out to be a doctor. I'm going to be a teacher. And then they actually do it and they love it. And you're like, oh, I've been, I've changed jobs six times and I'm just still trying to find my, my thing. And it can be intimidating. But today I want to share with you a few thoughts from Paul that are going to help you to begin to move in the direction of discovering your purpose. Here's what he says in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13. He says, for you were called to freedom. Now, this is the same chapter that I quoted earlier. We're just down 12 verses. And he says, for freedom you were called, right? He set the chains free from you so you could now live in a new way. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. I wish I had a read this verse before I went to school, although I wouldn't have listened anyways. Do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. In other words, Jesus did not set you free so you could do whatever you want. Because actually, if you do whatever you want, you'll actually find yourself back in bondage again. You just have a new master, and the master isn't Satan, and it's not God, it's you. You're the master, your desires. So he says, don't do that. But he says, here's, here's where we start. If you want to know your purpose in life, start here. Through love, serve one another. Through love, serve one another. You will never discover your purpose while living for yourself. If you have a pen, write that down. If you don't, put it in your phone. You will never... If you're like, God, if you would just show me what I'm to do next, I guarantee you'll never figure that out while you're living for yourself. While you are the primary objective, you will never figure it out. See, when Paul was writing to these Galatians, they had been set free as Christians, baptized into Christ, ready to live their new life. And here's, here's what happened. The Jews came into the church and said, oh yeah, Jesus set you free, but forget about loving and caring people. You need to get circumcised. You need to keep food laws. You have to celebrate all these special Jewish holidays. And they started imposing all these rules. Like if you do all these things, then God will smile upon you. And what did they do? They made their faith all about them and what they do. And that is antithetical to finding your purpose. If you are so caught up in what you do, I go to church, I give, I help people, I do all this stuff for God to love me. You've missed the point because you've made your faith about you. And it's not about you. It's about God and it's about serving one another. Here's the other thing. Satan, let me throw up the next one here. Satan can't get you back into sin. So if he can't get, back, you get, can't get you back into addiction, if he can't get you back into your sinful past, old ways of thinking, you know what he'll do? He'll try to get you into religion and self-righteousness. Because there's a lot of people that left drugs and sex behind, and then they got into church, and they got super religious, and all of a sudden, it went from being all about what I want to being all about being righteous. And they're not serving God and others. They're actually, it's still about them. And Satan's happy. He doesn't care if you're religious or if you're off sinning. As long as you're not loving and serving others and following God, he's, he's just totally satisfied with that. So here's what he says next um, in Galatians 5. He says, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor. Remember this. This is key. You'll never discover your purpose while living for yourself. You will never discover your purpose while your faith is all about you. It just doesn't work. And, uh, you know, 
Um, this the season that we're in. You can just take that down for a second. The season that you are in, uh, COVID has been an incredible opportunity for us to disengage from one another and to disengage with God. It's a, it's been a great excuse. Let's just be honest. It's been easy to just pull back. And I'm not suggesting, like, I know there are people uh, today who are watching online and, and you're not in the room because you're seeking to protect yourself and those you love. Totally understand that, honor that. I know there are people who are in the room because they need to be here and they need to see other people and they need to worship. And all of that is great. But no matter where you find yourself worshiping, you have to ask the question, is this about me or is it about God and is it about others? And there are lots of ways to engage in our faith in our development, regardless of where we are in person, online, it really doesn't matter. So we want to discover our purpose. You guys with me? We're going to turn to Romans chapter 12, and we're going to walk through a text that I think will help to sort of steer us in the right direction. Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your what? Bodies. Did you know that you can present your body as a servant To God, to yourself, to other people, to Satan. You can literally offer up your body to be used by others. This happens all the time. And here's what Paul says. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Paul says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to offer your body back to God. In other words, God has set you free from your sin and your past. And the question is, what do we do with that freedom? And Paul says, step one, give it back to God. Because we'll always have a master. It's going to be God, or it's going to be Satan. It's going to be our spouse. It's going to be our job, or it'll just be ourselves and what we want. We're going to have a master. Paul says the best master you can have, the one who set you free, is the best one to willingly surrender to. The beginning of Romans, he actually opens the letter by saying this. Paul, it says in my translation, Paul, a servant of Christ. But in the actual Greek translation, it's Paul, a bond servant or a bond slave. A bond servant is somebody who willingly surrenders their freedom to somebody else. It's like, I'm your slave by choice. Paul says, that's who I am. I've given my life completely back to God. If you want to discover your purpose, start there. Give your life completely to him. Trust him with your life. Verse two, he says this, do not be conformed. And that word conformed means shaped or patterned after. Have you ever seen uh, clay on a wheel and it spins? And when that clay is spinning, you could just like take the edge of your finger and just gently press. And if you just hold it there, eventually it will begin to take the shape of your hand. That's exactly what he's saying. He's like, in our lives, we are going to be pressured from media, from friends, from the world we live in, the places we work, to be conformed or shaped into the pattern of this world. But he says, instead of letting that happen, be transformed. Now, I know you guys like Greek words. The Greek word under this transformed is metamorpho. And it's where we get the word metamorphosis. And if you if you took like grade seven science, you remember studying the caterpillar? And the caterpillar is this ugly bug. And it climbs up on a branch and it starts to spin this little web and it builds a cocoon and it's inside the cocoon doing who knows what. And after a set amount of time, that cocoon breaks and what comes out? A beautiful butterfly. It's not even the same creature anymore. That's what a metamorphosis is. And that's what Paul says we're invited into. Not to be shaped to be like everyone else in this world, but actually to be transformed, made new. And this happens by the renewal of your mind. I said this last week, Satan has got his tricky schemes and tricks and he wants to take us out. And the battlefield for all of that is where? 
It's right here between your ears. The battlefield is in the mind. So what you're putting in your brain actually matters. And the more we open up the Scriptures and say, this is who God says I am, this is what He says about me, and we listen to it, and it begins to transform us. So, let's move on. We've got lots to say. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God. So, step one in discovering your purpose, submit yourself completely to God. Begin the transformation process, allowing Him to change us. And he says, you will begin to discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I guess the big point is this, that discovering your purpose. Next slide. Discovering purpose is a process. And I think everyone just expects that somehow they're going to wake up one morning and be like, that's the one thing I'm supposed to do the rest of my life. But in reality, understanding God's will and your purpose is a process that you lean into. And you change and shape and you try things and fail. Testing, discerning the will of God, submitting to God each day. And you begin to narrow your focus into exactly what God has for us. Next verse. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you. Let me ask you a question. Who's this passage applied to? It's a trick. Shout it out if you know. Everyone. If you're sitting with somebody, just turn to them and say, he's talking to you. If you're watching online, tell somebody you're sitting with, he's talking to you. What Paul is about to say about discovering your purpose is for each and every person. And even if you don't believe that God has created you for something, he's not intimidated by that. He made you for a purpose. And Paul is going to tell us some things that we need to know about it. Here's what he says in the next verse. Um, can you go back one verse for me, please? For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, so I can read it all together, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. I added the caps, just so you know. Each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Sober judgment. When Paul says sober judgment, what he means is that we think and see ourselves through a clear lens. It's not distorted. Now, one of the problems with sober judgment is that we don't know when we don't have it. If you want proof of this, just look through an old photo album and you'll see the clothes you were wearing and the hairstyle you were sporting. And you're like, what was I thinking? And no one could tell you that it looked ridiculous. You're wearing these clothes, you're doing these things, and your parents are like, you look silly. And you're like, I don't care. And your friends are like, that's dumb. And you're like, I don't care. Sober judgment. And it is really hard to have sober judgment by ourselves. We need people around us helping us to have sober judgment in our lives. Uh, one of the things that I think uh, the, the enemy would love to do when it comes to this is uh, that he would love to have us think improperly about us. Okay. Someone who doesn't have sober judgment, who is inebriated. Okay. They don't see and think clearly. And there's two ways I think that we can go two ditches. We can go into one is thinking too highly of yourself. I'm amazing. I got this. I don't need anybody in my life. I don't need friends to speak into me. I don't need people surrounding me. I don't need to pray. I don't need to go to church. I got this. I'm good. I'm all like, that's, that's too highly of yourself. The flip side is thinking too lowly of yourself. I'm nothing. I have nothing to contribute. Nobody loves me. God can't use me. And the enemy would love to have you in either one of those camps, right? Not with sober judgment, thinking too high or too low of ourselves. And Paul says, don't do that. And then he goes on to say this in verse 4, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not have all the same function. Do you know that your body is full of parts and components that do all kinds of things, right? 
Our body parts all serve a function and they all work together. You have one body, many parts. And Paul's actually going to make the analogy to say that in the same way that your body is many members all doing, working together for one purpose, in the same way, in the next verse, he says this, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Here's what's so important. When you receive Christ and you're baptized into faith, you're baptized into a family. You're joined to a bunch of people in this room. A bunch of our body is online watching this morning, streaming with us. And we need each other and we have something to contribute to each other and something to receive from one another. Do you know what happens if you're missing body parts? You are in some sense disabled. You have a disability. Like if you're missing a leg, you need a wheelchair, you need a crutch. If you're missing an eye or both eyes, you can't see. And what we fail to realize is that me discovering my purpose and you discovering yours is actually integral to everybody because you figuring out what your part of the body is actually helps everyone and we work together as a body i think there's a lot of christ's body that is missing parts because people haven't discovered their purpose and stepped into it we're members of one another there's also again um, two ways that satan would love to stop us the church from working together and being one body One of the ways that he does that, I talked a little bit about last week, is isolation. If he can get you to withdraw from the community, withdraw from the people that love you and care about you, and do your own thing, guess what? He's actually harmed the whole body. So isolation is, and of course, we're in a season right now where we're in many ways forced to isolate. And so that just makes it more difficult. But just because you're at home or just because you can't visit people doesn't mean that you still can't connect and serve. There are other ways, and we have to be creative. But Satan would love to isolate God's church from one another. The second way he does it is through division. And it has really broken my heart over the last couple of years seeing how many Christians attacking other Christians. Sometimes over things that two or three years from now won't even matter. We won't even care about anymore. And it's sad to see Because Satan doesn't have a body. I keep talking about Satan. But Satan doesn't have a body. So he can't come up and punch you. He can't send you a nasty text or direct message. He can't do it. But if he can convince someone else to spew their anger at you, he will. And we give our bodies and we harm one another instead of building up and loving one another as we're instructed to. So Satan's happy. I mean, he's happy if we're isolated. He's happy if we're attacking one another, mad at each other, disenfranchised from one another. He's happy. But Paul's painting a picture of the church serving one another and loving one another. He says this in verse um, 5. He says, Having gifts that differ... We'll rush ahead here. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Let us use them. If you want to discover your purpose, figure out what you enjoy doing, figure out what you're passionate about, figure out what you are skilled at, and just start doing it. And not just doing it for your sake, but doing it to love others and to serve one another and to serve the church. And as you use your gifts, you'll develop and hone them, and your, and your purpose will begin to be clarified. Is this making sense to anybody? So, submit to God. Have a clear head about who you are. Get counsel and advice. And then start using your gifts to serve and love one another. And I guarantee you, if you will follow this formula, it will become more and more clear with each passing day what you're to do. Then Paul lists a bunch of things that I'm just going to touch on quickly before I close. 
He's going to give a bunch of things that specifically people might be gifted in. And so maybe one of these jumps off the page at you. He says, uh, there's actually one that's missing here. Um, I might have missed that slide. But it says, if you are gifted in the area of prophecy. And prophecy is when a person speaks words of encouragement. And in my life, there have been people that have shown up at different times. And maybe they didn't even know how significant it was. And they just said, I believe God is saying that he's with you. Or I believe God is leading you into this. And they just speak words of encouragement. They say, here's what I believe God is saying. And it is so uplifting and so strengthening when that happens. And if that's your gift... Use it. Use your lips to encourage people. Then he goes on to say, if service. Some people, okay, are gifted to be number twos. And what I mean by that is they are gifted to help other people fulfill their calling. And when you're in that helper role and you're lifting someone else and they're winning, you're winning. Because that's how God wired you to help others win. Every number one, every leader needs a number two. And every number two needs a team. And We all have a part to play. And so if service, he says, do that. And as you do it, you'll be fulfilling your purpose. The one who teaches in his teaching. There are people who are called by God to teach little kids in in, in nursery school. They're called by God to teach, you know, teens in high school, universities, teaching the Bible, teaching driver's ed. Thank God for the driver's ed teachers. We need them for sure. Okay. How many lives have been saved by, I mean, the, the, the forgotten heroes of our time, okay? The one who exhorts. That's a fancy word for the encourager. Many of you probably know someone in your life who just, whenever they show up, they're just encouraging you. They just speak words of life and they just put wind in your sails. We need those people. And if that's you, do that. And as you do that, for the good of others, submitting yourself to Christ, your purpose will become clear and focused. The one who contributes. There are people gifted by God to support the local church, to help people in need. And God gifts them resources and the ability to get and acquire resources so that they can share them with others. And I met a lot of people who have money and resources and they just do this naturally, but they don't realize that it's actually part of their calling. That God has gifted them in that way. And it's like, they're like, oh, this is so easy. This is just so natural. And other people are like, no, it's not. And you give. And you support and you lift up through generosity. These are all different ways that we can serve one another. The one who leads. We all need leaders. And some are gifted to lead and some are not. And that's okay. Because it's not one is better than the other. It's each person doing their part to edify and encourage the whole body. Those who lead with zeal. Nothing worse than a leader who's just depressed and going nowhere. That's awful. With zeal. The one who does acts of mercy. Now this... This is not my gift. And I say that because every time I do one of those spiritual gift surveys, there's all these spiritual giftings and mercy is like zero. My kids are like, that's true. That's true. (laughs) It's just, that does not come naturally for me. Leadership does. Mercy doesn't. Now I'm trying to grow in it, but I also know that when I see people who are gifted with mercy, who when someone's hurting, they just show up and give them a hug and just cry with them. I'm like, that's beautiful. And I've been on the other side of people showing me mercy and kindness. And I'm just like, that is a powerful gift. It's not my gift, but someone has that gift. And when they use it, it brings life to the church and it brings life to one another. Here's where we'll finish. He circles back after saying, here's some specific things that you might be gifted at in the church. But he says, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another. Same as he said in Galatians. Love one another with brotherly affection. If you want to discover your purpose, 
Once you let go of the chains and you find freedom, if you don't discover your purpose and start moving into what God has called you to, you're probably going to end up back in chains somewhere. And so the key to finding your purpose is submitting your life to God. He's the only one that can be trusted with your life. Having a clear head about who you are and then beginning to serve and love one another. Your purpose will be found there. It's not, your purpose isn't your career. Your purpose isn't specifically your family. Your purpose is to love and serve one another. And God will gift you to do that in a specific way. And as you use it, you'll get better at it. Your purpose will become more clear and everyone else will benefit as you do. Can we pray together? Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for this season in time. As we look to the future, we don't know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. And Lord, today I know there are many people listening and each person is at a very different stage in their faith. Many of us are seeking to find freedom in different areas of our life. And so, Lord, as we do that, would you help us to discover our purpose, to see what you've called us to do, what you've gifted us to do. And may we not use our gifting for our own benefit, but for the benefit of others. May we serve and love others and surrender our lives to you completely. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, that wraps it up from us here at Pathway. Thanks so much for tuning in. Be sure to keep up with us on our website, pathwaylife.com. And of course, all of our socials, instagram.com forward slash pathwaylifechurch, facebook.com forward slash pathwaylife. And if you need prayer or anything like that, hit us up at pathwaylife.com forward slash care. Hope you have a great week and we also hope to see you soon.